Welcome, everybody. I'm so glad that you have found your way to New Life Christian Church today. And if this just so happens to be your very first time here, man, a special welcome to you. My name is Joe Williams. I get to be the lead pastor here at New Life, and I am so glad that you came here today. I hope and pray that our church family, our worship, our community, our just being here is a blessing to you. And whatever it is that you are seeking or whatever it is that you are hoping to discover today, I pray that God will show it to you. Now, you may already know this, but we are in a series right now called Rescue. We are studying our way through the book of Exodus, which just so happens to be the second book of the Bible. And I want you to know that I have challenged everybody in our church family to be reading from the book of Exodus every week. I've challenged everybody to read the book of Exodus in one setting. And let me just tell you, there are a lot of great benefits for reading an entire book of the Bible. For one, it can be an eye-opening experience. Not only will reading God's word be an eye-opening experience, but it will be a blessing to your life because that is what the reading of God's word is. It is a blessing. When you read an entire book of the Bible, that's gonna allow you some time to kind of contemplate and mull over some of these truths that God is opening your eyes to. Not only that, but, but if you'll be reading ahead, if you'll be reading from the book of Exodus, you're gonna come into this place so much better prepared to, uh, for the teaching time. And that's just gonna enhance everything that we're doing. So I just wanna continue to keep this out here in front of you as a church family. I wanna continue to encourage you to read from the book of Exodus. You will be blessed by it and it will definitely definitely enhance what we're doing here. Now, with that said, please go ahead and open your Bibles to Exodus chapter five, Exodus chapter five. And I just wanna let you know that we're gonna start in Exodus chapter five, but we're gonna be ending in Exodus chapter six. Let me tell you what I truly appreciate about these two chapters of the book of Exodus. What these two chapters do is they help us understand what we are to do and where we are to turn when we experience one of life's most difficult emotions. And that is the emotion of discouragement. Discouragement. I have no doubts whatsoever that every single one of us in this room today has stared down this uh, emotion of discouragement. I'll even say this. I don't think there's one person in this room today who can honestly say that they have never been discouraged. The, the reality is we have all been discouraged over something at some point in our lives. And, and I would say this. If you walked in here today and you are just completely discouraged by something, and maybe that discouragement is, is so big, you're like, ah, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to go to church today. I don't know if I wanted to see people or be around people. I don't know if I really wanted to sing songs. I don't know if I really wanted to put on a happy face and just pretend like everything is perfectly fine. Maybe that's you. But I am so glad you did anyway. I am so glad that you came because I think that Exodus chapter five and Exodus chapter six is gonna be a big encouragement to you today. And I just feel in my heart that there are some of you here today that need a good word of encouragement today. You know, as I think about just our lives in general, there are many things that can be the source of discouragement. That, that list is long. I can stand up here for an hour and just start listing off different things in this world that can be the source of, of, of discouragement and frustration. Like, like a job that you hate or a job that just isn't going so well. That can be very discouraging. 
Um, relationships can cause some discouragement. Um, family strife, financial problems. A constant perceived sense of failure can be very discouraging. An addiction that you just can't quite seem to rein in, that can be so discouraging. You know, losing a business or, or dealing with a rebellious child or politics or simply losing anything at all, that can be very discouraging. Like I said, the list is a mile long for the things in this world that have the potential to bring discouragement into our lives. And I'm sure all of us can think of those things and we have experienced those things. But you know, there's another area of our lives that can also bring discouragement. Do you realize that doing the right thing can bring discouragement into your life? It's true. It's very true. Have you ever suffered a hardship for obeying God? But I, I can think of many examples where, where this is true. You know, my heart really goes out to a lot of our young people, our junior high and our high school kids and our, our college students. And maybe you're one of those right now. Maybe you're a, a Christian kid going to high school and you are seeking to follow Jesus. This is strong on your heart. You know, that's not the easiest path these days. My wife and I have often said to each other that our kids are growing up in a much more complicated, complex world than the world that we grew up in. And you know, I, I, I say that, and isn't that what the generation before us also said? You know, didn't our parents say, boy, it was, we were living in a simpler world than, than you guys, and now here I am, the parent, saying, I, I grew up in a simpler world, but I really do feel like our kids are growing up in a, in a very complex world. And if you're a Christian kid trying to be a Christian in high school, then you are gonna be tempted every day. You are gonna face down peer pressure every day to accept and conform lifestyles that are sinful and to do things that would not honor God. And when you don't do those things or when you take a stand, then in high school, you know how it is. Kids throw these labels around. They make fun of you. They tease you. They mock you. You might even lose some friends over trying to obey God as a high school student. Uh, the invites that used to get to fun things, well, those potentially slow down. And that can be a really tough place for any of our high school kids, any of our teenagers. And that's an example of how obeying God, trying to do the right thing, can be discouraging. You know, maybe you're a, a single lady who desires to be married. I mean, you've got standards, biblical standards, for your future husband. Have any of your friends or ever encouraged you to lower your standards and go out with somebody who... Who, who does not hold to Christian standards or who's not committed to following Jesus? Boy, I tell you, obeying Jesus in your singleness can be very discouraging. Have you ever been an employee that has known about somebody in the company who is breaking company policy or even breaking the law? And did you feel like you needed to report this? And then you did. You, you said, I did the right thing and I, and I brought it to light. How did the people around you see that action? Did they look at you as doing something good or something bad? They, they might have turned around and started labeling you a troublemaker and you were just trying to do the right thing. And you know what? That can become a very discouraging situation. 
But I tell you, I've been in ministry for quite a while now, and I've got a lot of friends who are preachers and pastors all over the place. I have friends in ministry who are serving the Lord faithfully. They are pastoring faithfully. But in their particular church, they have met great opposition to their efforts. And that can be very discouraging. I, I have friends who are, are great preachers and they preach the gospel faithfully. They pour their whole heart into preaching and they see very little response and they don't see any growth in their churches. That can be very discouraging. Have any of you ever just stepped out and stepped up into the name of the Lord to serve him only to get beat down and beat back and wonder why you even bothered? That can be a very discouraging thing. But I tell you, again, when I start to think about all the things, even trying to do the right thing and serve the Lord and how that can become a discouragement, that list becomes very long as well. And I've just come to this conclusion. Obeying God, doing the right thing, can sometimes bring a lot of pain into your life and discouragement. Obeying God, doing the right thing, that does not mean that you're gonna be immune to this kind of discouragement. In fact, the Bible is full of examples of people who set out to serve the Lord and they obeyed him and they did the right thing, but they were met with great discouragement along the way. And I don't know if any of this is making sense to you. It certainly makes sense to me. And I don't know if any of you are even experiencing that personally right now or just discouraged. But let me just tell you, I believe no matter where you are, chapter five and chapter six of the book of Exodus is going to be of a great encouragement to you. So here's where we find ourselves in Exodus chapter five. Moses was called by God to go to Egypt, to go and rescue the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. And so God is gonna use Moses specifically to do it. And in chapter five, here you have Moses and his brother Aaron. They arrive in Egypt and they are ready to do exactly what the Lord had commanded them to do. And they go out and they tell the leaders of the Israelites how God has heard their prayers and how he has come to their rescue. And, and God even told Moses, a play-by-play, this is gonna happen and this is gonna happen. You're gonna say this and then Pharaoh's gonna say this and then I'm gonna do this and he's gonna do this. I mean, Moses had the play-by-play before it ever happened. And in chapter five, we see how Moses and Aaron, they go before Pharaoh they stand before the most powerful man in the world and they say to him exactly what God told them to say to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh responded exactly how God said that he was going to respond. But then something happens that Moses was not expecting. Okay, Moses did exactly what God told him to do, but then something else transpired that was completely unexpected and that created a great um, disruption for Moses. That created a great um, uh, discouragement in his life. And the Lord is gonna have to help pull Moses out of this pit of discouragement. That's what we're gonna read about in chapter five and moving into chapter six. And what you're gonna see in these two chapters of the Bible is that God gives uh, Moses a roadmap to how to climb out of this discouragement. And at the same time, this same roadmap shows us the way to climb out of discouragement too. And that's why I say that if you came in here today, just kind of beat down and discouraged. I think this has a great word for you. So let's just jump right into this. You got your Bibles open, look at chapter five. Let's look at verse one. Let's walk down through the text together. 
Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. So there's two things right off the bat that this Pharaoh shows us. Okay, this is our first, this is, chapter five is our first interaction with him. And he shows us two things, and there, there are these. He's got an acknowledgement problem, and he has got an attitude problem. Did you read it in the text? He's got an acknowledgement problem, and he's got an attitude problem. Now, there's something that I want you to keep in mind when you're studying the book of Exodus. That this Pharaoh, and many of the ancient Pharaohs of Egypt, they believe themselves to be gods, they had bought into this lie that they themselves are deity. So when Moses and Aaron show up talking about the Lord, Pharaoh is like, I don't know this Lord. He's like saying, as another God, I am not aware and I do not know this other God that you are talking about. And I don't know this God and I don't think I should take this God very seriously. He is certainly not stronger than me. This is the attitude that we get from Pharaoh here. He's got an acknowledgement problem and he's got an attitude problem and he doesn't know it yet, but he is about to experience firsthand why he should take the Lord very seriously. Now, we're not gonna get into this too much today, but let me just tell you that there is more going on with this initial meeting between Moses and Pharaoh than what meets the eye, but it'll become clearer later. But let me just tell you that the stage is being set from this very first conversation between Moses and Pharaoh for a battle. A battle between the Lord and, a, uh, between the, Lord and the gods of Egypt. Now this will make sense here in a little bit later. But this whole conversation is setting the stage for an epic battle between the Lord and the gods of Egypt. Look at verse three. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. So this is Abraham, this is excuse, Moses and Aaron. They're saying the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with a sword. Now, it kind of sounds like Moses is saying, if you don't let us go worship the Lord out in the wilderness, we're all in trouble. Doesn't that kind of sound like what he's saying? The consequences will be bad for both of us, both Egypt and Israel. But really, though, what you need to understand is that this is Moses throwing out the warning to Pharaoh. Let us go or there will be suffering. See, Pharaoh has no idea that Moses knows a lot of what's gonna happen. God has filled him in on a number of details. So Moses can say with confidence, if you don't let us do this, trouble's coming. And it's a warning, and that's what he is saying. But Pharaoh refuses to listen. Remember, he's got an acknowledgement problem, he's got an attitude problem. Look at verse four. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous and you are stopping them from working. So what's very clear is that Pharaoh is not taking Moses seriously at all. He could care less about this God, this Lord, whom they claim to be obeying. 
All he cares about is the slave labor that he has with the Israelites. All he cares about is the work that they are doing. And I would imagine Pharaoh's not a, you know, he's a smart enough guy. He can do the math. Okay, let's, let's think this thing through. You want to take all the Israelites three days away from here. And let's say they just worship for one day at this festival. And they do their sacrifices. And then they travel back for three days. That is seven whole days. That's an entire week of no work getting done. And he is not having it. In fact, because of this very conversation, he sees the Israelites as a bunch of lazy workers. He's thinking to himself, I'm sure, this is gonna be reading into the text a little bit, but he's like, you wanna take a whole week off? You want me to let you leave for an entire week? Are you kidding me? Obviously, if you think you have enough downtime that you can leave for seven days, if you think that you've got enough um, credits built up to take some vacation, you got another thing coming. I think you guys are just lazy. That's what it is. You're just lazy. So look at verse six. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order. So because of this conversation with Moses, this is what Pharaoh does. He orders the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people, you are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they're crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so they keep working and pay no attention to lies. I don't like Pharaoh, do you? I don't. He's not a good person. As you read the rest of chapter five, you're gonna discover that the lives of these Israelites went from bad to worse. The second Moses opened up his mouth to Pharaoh, their lives became harder. Now they have to not only make the same number of bricks, now they have to spend more time gathering all the resources that they need. So, so not only was life already hard, now it's even harder. They're gonna be more tired. They're gonna be more broken down. They're gonna be more oppressed. And this frustrated and discouraged the Israelites greatly. And I think you and I would be very discouraged if we were in that situation too. And it's in their discouragement, however, it's, it's at this point where they're, they're just beat down and discouraged. They make a huge mistake. You know what they did? They went looking for help in the wrong place. The Bible says that the Israelite leaders gathered together and they went and sought an audience with Pharaoh himself. That's right. After just a very short season of this this intense workload, this, this heavier load than they've ever had. They throw their hands up and they go see Pharaoh for some help, for some relief. Do you see this? They're going to the same person who is the source of all their hardships to begin with and they go to him for help. But what did Pharaoh do? Nothing. Did, did Pharaoh care about them at all? No, no, no. You read the text, Pharaoh could care less and he continued to make their lives miserable. Now let me ask you a question. Where should the leaders of Israel, where should they have gone for help? I'm here to tell you today, they, they went to the wrong place. They went to Pharaoh. Where they should have gone, well, you guessed it, God. It was God's face 
who they should have been seeking, not the one who put them in bondage to begin with. Now, let, let me just ask you a question. A question that, that directly relates to discouragement. It's just a question for you to think about. And the question is this. Do you take your problems, do you take your discouragements to God in prayer? Is that where you go with that? Now, I believe that help comes from a lot of different places. Help can, you know, God can direct traffic however he wants, and there's a lot of places that help comes from. But where do you go first? Where do you look for relief first when the days are discouraging? Are, are you like the writer of Psalms who said in Psalm 86, 6, when he cried out to God, he said, hear my prayer, Lord, listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Do you hear the heartfelt cry to God in what he's saying? Oh, hear me, Lord. I I'm crying for mercy. I'm in distress. I'm calling to you. Do you take your problems, do you take your discouragements first to God? Because in our discouragement, there's only one place to turn, and that is to God. But here's what happened with the Israelites. They went to Pharaoh, and they chose very unwisely. The same thing that happened to them can also happen to us. Not only did did they go to Pharaoh instead of God? But when they didn't get their way, you know what these Israelite leaders did? They turned around and they took out their frustration on their leaders. So not only did they go to the wrong place for help, when they didn't get it, their discouragement grew worse and then they went ahead and lashed out at Moses. They took their aggression out on him. You know, one of the most mature things that you'll ever do is to take your frustration, to take your discouragement to God in prayer. That, my friends, is one of the most mature things that you can do. And when you do that, when you go to God first and you take these things to the Lord, it'll be less likely for you to, to project that discouragement onto somebody else who doesn't deserve it. Have you ever put somebody in your crosshairs who didn't deserve to be there? Well, that's exactly what is happening to Moses. These Israelites, they're frustrated, they're discouraged, and they turn and they focus their aggression now right on Moses. Jump down to the bottom of chapter five and look at verse 20. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. Ooh, that's not a very kind thing to say. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. In other words, they're saying, Moses, you opened your mouth and you have doomed us. That's, that's what they're saying. Have you ever been on the receiving end of someone's frustration and discouragement? You didn't do anything wrong, but you were in the blast zone. Moses is in the blast zone. Have you ever had to go and apologize to someone because you took your frustration out on them? This aggressive attack 
from the Israelites, it hurt Moses. If you've ever been on the receiving end of that, you know how badly that can hurt. And it hurt Moses real bad. It hurt him deeply. Here you have Moses. Just think about where he's at in life. It's been a real struggle for him to get there. He left a perfectly good life in Midian to come and put his neck out for these people. And they turn around and they blame him for all of their problems. And, and it hurt Moses bad. So what does he do? Well, we've already seen in this series that Moses definitely has flaws. Moses has insecurities. But I'm gonna give him a little praise here. Because in his dis discouragement, he gets this one right. He does what the Israelites failed to do. Moses goes straight to God. Now look at verse 22. Moses returned to the Lord and said, why Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people and you have not rescued your people at all. It's really hard to read tone into voices in the Bible, but I wanna believe that this was done respectfully. Um, you know, it, it's not wrong to ask questions of God. God, I do not understand what you're doing here. Lord, why are you allowing certain things to happen? I, I don't know, but I'm one that believes that if you, if you approach the Lord with reverence and respect, it's okay to ask questions. Moses is asking questions. I do believe he did this with reverence and respect. But do you see what's happening here? At the end of chapter five, nobody's happy at all. They've gone from joyous celebration to ain't nobody happy, especially Moses. Moses was so caught off guard by this reversal of support from the Israelites that it plunges him into discouragement. But then we come to chapter six. Oh, I love chapter six. Remember I said we're gonna study five and six today. Chapter six has such a powerful word for us, especially for those of us that might have come in here struggling or discouraged today. Moses is discouraged, but he knew where to turn. He turned to God, and God, really, if you just walk down through the text, God is going to remind Moses of five things that are gonna help him get pulled out of this, this pit of discouragement. Five things that I believe will help each and every one of us as well. Moses is discouraged by his present circumstances, but, but what is God gonna tell Moses? God is gonna remind him of his promise. Hey, I made a promise and I intend to keep it, Moses. I made a promise that Pharaoh is gonna let these people go and that is exactly what's going to happen. I know you're discouraged now, but just stay with me. Something great's about to happen. Look at verse one of chapter six. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. I bet you Moses needed to hear that like you would not believe. Here he's just beat down. Everybody's turning on him. Everybody's blaming him for what is going wrong. And God says, now you're gonna really see something. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. Now there's no doubt, you and I, we're living in different times. We are not living in the time of the Exodus. We're not the Israelite people needing to be rescued. We are living in a different time. But let me just tell you this, what isn't different. We worship the same God. 
The same God that is talking to Moses is the same God we worship. He's the same God we sang to today. He's the same God we have prayed to today. He is the same God that we celebrated at communion. He is the same God. And this same God keeps promises for us too. And we need to remember that in times of great discouragement. God still is a promise keeper. What are just some of the promises that, that God has made to us? God made a promise to us in Hebrews when he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you hear me, friends? Some of you feel like you're all alone, but I'm here to tell you, God has not left your side. You may have taken your eyes off him, but he has never taken his eyes off of you. He promises never leave you nor forsake you. What are some other promises? He promises in the book of Romans chapter eight, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. Friends, I've been doing this long enough that I can tell you that verse is absolutely true. This is the promise that God absolutely keeps. I have seen God take what would appear to us to be the most disastrous, broken decisions and situations and turn them for something that will glorify him. So friends, this is one of those promises. What's another one of those promises that, that God has made? He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, so here's the thing. None of us have ever been promised that we would have an easy life. None of us in this room today, when you became a Christian, were given the assurance that you're never gonna experience discouragement. I, I, even while I was studying for this message, and I was studying this text, I was reminded of one of the most discouraging seasons of my life, and it lasted an entire year. I'm talking about, for me, that was year 2011. Extremely difficult year. I'm gonna spare you the details, but it was a good long while. And there was a short season in that year that I seriously contemplated not being a pastor anymore. I considered leaving the ministry altogether and doing something else with my life. That is how discouraged I was. As I read this text, and we're talking about frustration and discouragement, it kind of takes me right back there to that season of my life. Now, it was a combination of God bringing some things to my attention through his word and God bringing some things to my attention through friends and family that reminded me that no matter what, God keeps his promises. And these are three of the promises that I just held on to during that season. I'm never gonna leave you. All things are gonna work together for good. And you're gonna have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And friends, I, I just cling to those things in 2011. And I'm wondering how many of you need to cling to those same promises today. God took care of some things that I could never take care of on my own in 2011. He took care of some things on my behalf. And, and I look back on that very difficult year of my life and God absolutely saw me through it and pulled me out of that discouragement. And thank the good Lord, I've never been back to that level of discouragement since. Well, what else did God say to, to Moses to pull him out of this pit of discouragement? Believe it or not, God said, let me tell you something about my name. Let me tell you something about my name. God says, Moses, there's something you need to know about me. I not only keep my promises, but I think that right now is a good time to remind you 
who I am. Look at verse two of chapter six. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. So God is actually referring to something that happened and to a relationship he had back in the book of Genesis with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God revealed himself to them with the name El Shaddai. And that name means God Almighty. This is how God presented himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Their understanding was, this is God Almighty, El Shaddai. And God is acknowledging this to Moses, that back then, that's how they knew me. But I am revealing myself to you a little bit differently. I'm identifying myself to you and revealing myself as the Lord, which when translated means Yahweh, also Jehovah. Now back then, back in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they had heard the name Yahweh. It wasn't unfamiliar, but Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob didn't understand the full implications of this name, the Lord. It's not just God Almighty, El Shaddai, but also Yahweh, the eternal Self-existing, self-consistent God. The, the God of the universe, the God above all gods, the Lord. What did Pharaoh say to Moses when they first met? He said, I don't know the Lord. And I don't know him. I don't know this Yahweh. But he will soon. And he'll soon, soon learn who this eternal God is. The God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God who created all things and is over all things, Yahweh. So God is saying to Moses, listen, remember the promise to rescue. I will do that. Why? Because I am the Lord. That's why. And you need to have this better understanding of who I am. It's a broader understanding than what even Abraham, Isaac, and, and, and Jacob could understand. So Moses, in his discouragement, he needed a word from the Lord, just like we do. And that word is, you don't serve some puny God. You don't serve a God that no one's ever heard of before. No, 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 we serve Yahweh, the Lord. And that means something big. What else did God say to help pull Moses out of this pit of discouragement? He's like, Moses, don't lose sight of the covenant here on me. Here we are in Egypt, don't lose sight of the covenant I established something very special with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Don't lose sight of the fact that everything you are going through and everything that you will go through is going to lead to something very special. Look at verse four. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they resided as foreigners. So I know you're discouraged, Moses, but don't forget I keep my promises. I am the Lord and I made a covenant that is gonna be fulfilled. You'll be fine, you'll get through this. What else did God say to help pull Moses out of this pit of discouragement? He's gonna show Moses that he has compassion. He's gonna remind him of his compassion. God has a compassionate listening ear to his children. God heard every prayer that the Israelites prayed. God saw every injustice done 
to his children. And none of that has gone unnoticed. Look at verse five. He said, moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving and I have remembered my covenant. What God needed Moses to really understand is that he was the Lord and he was not ignorant or unconcerned about their suffering. He was not trying to add to their problems by delaying their deliverance at all. No, everything is working out according to God's plan. Nothing that God has planned is going to fail. And God has said it many times and he is reminding Moses of it again. I have heard the groanings of the Israelites and I am here to do something about it. And I'm telling you, there's something about God's reminder here to Moses that he hears, that he listens. It reminds me of something that the apostle Peter said in the New Testament, something that we need to grasp hold of and own today. And it's found in 1 Peter 5, 7. And it just simply says this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God is communicating to Moses very clearly. I care about this situation. I've seen it all. I, I have a covenant. I'm gonna keep my promises. I am the Lord. I've heard everything. I care deeply. And friends, that is the same God that we worship, we pray to as well. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And what else did God say to help pull Moses out of this pit of despair. He basically just says to Moses, listen, let me tell you about my control. I got this. I got it. He reassures him that he's in control. Now, we're gonna end our scripture reading with this. Look at verse six. So God says, therefore, say to the Israelites, all right, Moses, get up, brush yourself off. You're gonna be fine. I want you to say this to them. Say this, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a mighty axe of justice. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. So in these couple of verses, when God is saying, I've got all of this, I've got it, absolutely got it, Moses. He makes seven I am statements. Did, did you, or excuse me, I will statements. Did you catch it? He says, I will seven times. I will bring you up out of slavery. Remember, the, Moses is discouraged. All the people of Israel are discouraged. Their lives are very difficult. And this is what Moses is supposed to say next. God said, I will bring you out of slavery. I will free you. I will redeem you. We're gonna, we're gonna unpack that word in the future, redemption. I will take you as my own people, God said. I will be your God. I will bring you to a new land and I will give it to you as a possession. Basically, God has got this. So friends, it's just kind of wrapping up here today. If you came in here discouraged, I want you to look at the roadmap that God gave to Moses. God said, I made a promise, I'm gonna keep it. 
God's made promises to you and he's gonna keep it. God wants you to see him as the Lord. Friends, he is bigger than your discouragement. He is bigger than what you're going through right now. I am the Lord. I am not just almighty, I am all everything. I am the Lord. Do you know his name? God made a covenant with the Israelites back in the day. He is the same God today. He will follow through. Don't be discouraged. He is compassionate. There is not anything that you have ever experienced that God doesn't know about. He hears your prayers. And finally, he is in control. Absolutely in control. Nothing has escaped his notice. So friends, I hope that's a real encouragement to you. This was a, a time in, in Abraham's life where, or excuse me, Moses' life where, man, he needed, he needed to be picked up. He needed to be brushed off. He was really down in the dumps. And man, I relate to it. And I have been there as well. And the Lord has picked me up and brushed me off and, and taught me a bunch of lessons along the way. So if you don't mind, I'd love to just pray for you because I know, I know some, some discouragement is here because life is hard and there's a lot of things happening in this world. But I hope chapter five and chapter six is of great encouragement to you and it sets the stage for what comes next. Moses would need all of his strength. The Israelites would need all of their strength to stand up to what is about to come and they needed to be looking to the Lord. Let me just pray for you. Lord, I just give you thanks for this day. As always, I just give you thanks for your word, your holy word. And Lord, I do pray that these words from, from the book of Exodus will be an encouragement to us. Lord, I'm so grateful for anybody that came in here today that really struggled to be here. I pray, Lord, that anybody that walked in here today discouraged is walking out encouraged. Lord, if anybody walked in here who was just down, I pray they walk out of here upped. Lord, I just pray that all of us are walking out of here with a renewed vigor that we can get through anything because you are in control. So Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray you help us in our discouragements and that all things, Lord, we give you praise. And it's in your name we pray these things, the name of Jesus Christ, amen.